You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. in the United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio. And it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller. It is Saturday, July 24th, 2021, and we're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, July 25th, 2021 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama, and Wednesday, July 28th on WHIV in New Orleans, Louisiana. Today on the show, an update from a coal mine family about the strike down in Brookwood. Bezos says a correct thing. Maybe it's time to bring back union advertisements and more on today's Valley Labor Report. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week and get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for the Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clips segments and release them throughout the week. We upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, you can go to thevalleylaborreport.transistor.fm slash subscribe. We have a website where you can buy our hats and our stickers. We've only got about 12 hats left, so make sure you get one before they're gone. That's thevalleylaborreport.org. And finally, If you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, then consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. Um, So... Our first uh, first topic today, we're going to be getting an update on the coal miners' strike. Adam, uh, make sure that they can hear us on the Zoom. Before we go to them, though, a quick recap because on the on the Zoom, like the Zoom app, uh, there, a quick recap because as Media Matters pointed out, uh, from the beginning of the strike to at least make sure that no unmute us there so they can hear us uh, as media matters pointed out from the beginning of the strike to at least July 13th there was not one single mention of the strike on either MSNBC CNN or Fox News uh, 
Uh, Some context that Media Matters highlighted as well, Fox News devoted an hour and 18 minutes over five days to a single school district changing references to holidays in its academic calendar to days off. Surely, this strike is much more important to uh, the lives of working people in Alabama and across the country than whether or not we refer to days off as holidays on an academic calendar, but that's not what corporate media wants to cover. So because of that lack of coverage, I feel like it is important really quickly to highlight uh, why they're on strike, because I want to make sure that folks don't think that they're like going on the picket line so they can get a million dollars a year or anything like that. That's the CEO. That's not the workers. So, uh, and, and because this is a quick recap, there's going to be a lot that I leave out. So if you want to learn more, there are lots of places to do so. I've got a couple of hours talking to folks on the picket line the weekend the strike began uh, as an episode of the Working People podcast. Lee Baines from the Glory Fires played some songs and he talked with them as well. Kim Kelly has been writing a lot of articles and doing a lot of videos for More Perfect Union and other places. You can follow her on Twitter at Grim Kim and she has a mini documentary series on the Real News Network uh, that she interviews lots of folks, including Hayden Wright, uh, for for that series. And we have several videos on our YouTube channel, including actually a couple conversations with Hayden. So really quickly, the quick and dirty of the situation down there is there was a bankruptcy in 2015. It was owned by Jim Walters. It was then went bankrupt. It was bought out, renamed Warrior Met. The CEOs and the board of directors kept their jobs. They increased their compensation while workers accepted concessions to bring the company into profitability under the impression that management would reward them for their sacrifices in the next contract, which is which would be this contract. The concessions included a $6 an hour pay cut, forced overtime up to seven days a week, a loss of their 100% employer-sponsored health care, and more. The, the contract expired April 1st of 2021 with no offer from the company, so the workers went on strike. The first offer that the company gave after they went on strike did not even keep up with inflation over the terms of the over the term, over the length, over the duration of the proposal much less make up for the concessions that workers gave up in 2016. They didn't, they, the company then gave the workers a second offer that was worse than the first. So they're still on strike over 100 days now. So we wanted to talk to some of the folks that are on the picket line to give you an update. And those people that we're talking to today are Braxton Wright. He is a rank-and-file coal miner. And his wife, Hayden, she is president of a newly formed women's auxiliary down there. Braxton actually came off of a night shift on the picket line. He has not been to sleep yet. So we appreciate his time. And Hayden is going to be going to work uh, putting together uh, uh, bags of food for the back to school bash that they're having tomorrow for uh, for the children of the striking miners. So both of them are very busy, and we really appreciate y'all's time uh, to talk to us. Braxton Hayden, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank y'all for having us this morning. Absolutely, we're very glad to have you. Very glad to have you. Glad to so, see y'all again. Yeah. <laughs> so could you tell us um, how are the folks feeling? You know, oh, on the picket line. 
it, it's been a hundred days, and that's a long time, you know, to go without a uh, to go without a paycheck from the company. Of course, you are getting strike checks from the UMWA, and, and as I understand, they are the largest strike checks that any union gives. Actually, although it's still not much compared to your paycheck. So, you know, how are folks doing out there on the picket line uh, trying to keep? Hang on, y'all are kind of breaking up. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. We can't hear you. Let me see if I turn our camera off, if I can hear y'all better. Okay, yeah, maybe that, that'll, uh, um, maybe that would take off, take out some of the bandwidth. Can y'all hear us better now? Yes. Okay, good deal, good deal. Yeah, so I just wanted to ask y'all, you know, how are folks doing out there on the picket line? You've been on strike for 100 days without a paycheck for 100 days from the company. You're getting strike benefit checks uh, from the union, but, you know, that that's not as big as a paycheck. So how are folks doing, like, mentally and psychologically, emotionally down there? Uh, y'all, we still can't really hear what y'all are saying. Let me... Why try to troubleshoot something. Okay, here, why don't y'all just call in to the studio? The phone number is one. Yeah, Phone number is one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. Adam is going to put that in the chat, and maybe that would be better if you just call the studio um, and put us on speakerphone, and we wouldn't have to use the internet there. Uh, so why don't let's try that? Uh, so uh, sorry, that's what happens when you're on uh, live radio. We <laughs> uh, we're having some technical difficulties. If you want to, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Thanks, Adam. Um, so we're going to be talking to them here in just a second. But, you know, while we're waiting for them to call in to the studio, while we're waiting for them to call into the studio, you know, I just want to underscore again how, like, just how normal the things that they're asking for are. You know, they're not asking, again, they're not asking to be given, like, a million dollars a year like their executive is making. Their executive uh, did not lose his job. Uh, and he is now making four. Uh, I think it's a she. She is he or she is making four million dollars a year uh, while these workers are um, while they are while they're on strike and while they are uh, while they've accepted these huge concessions. You know the concessions like taking that huge pay cut, taking the. Um, uh, uh, the concessions on their health care, being able to, I mean, working seven days a week, 10 hours a day down 2,000 feet below the surface of the earth with all of the, you know, I mean, coal mining is one of the most dangerous professions that you can have in the United States of America today. And, um, Doing that for seven days a week, that was one of the things that was that and the health care are really some of the biggest things that um, uh, that they are that they're really upset about. You know, I talked to some of the children down there uh, in Brookwood on the picket lines. And I mean, it was really it was really heartbreaking what they were uh, what they were saying. You know, um, I, I mean, it's just it. it they were like, I want to be able to go to church with my granddaddy. I want my dad to be able to play ball with me. I want my dad to be able to come to my games. Like, I play volleyball. I want my dad to be able to see me. I want my mom to be able to see me. You know, there's some women down in the mines, too. Uh, it's not it's not just men down there anymore. And so, you know, this the, the things that they're facing are real. And, you know, these aren't uh, – you get this caricature of, like, a lazy, greedy – 
union worker. And this is not, that's not true ever in general, but this is especially not true here. And it's so not true that even, uh, you know, I talk to Dale Jackson every Thursday morning. And when I can, when I can, I can't always, but when I can, I try to get him to talk about real issues. And so I'm able to get him to talk about this sometimes. And he has even said on the radio that this is a situation where the union is very clearly very clearly the good guy and the company is very clearly the bad guy have we got him on the line now okay uh hayden braxton can y'all hear us Yes, I can hear you on that. Okay, very good, very good. Sorry about the technical difficulty. So, uh, the question that I had asked was just, um, you know, how are folks uh, feeling down there? 100 days on the picket line, that's got to take a toll on y'all. Yes, it is. Uh, it's just, it's tough. You know, it shows how little this company cares about their employees. And, uh, like so recently, one of them had posted a video that the, where they give the the scabs a dollar an hour raise, mm. and uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's really, I guess, disconcerting. You know, it's, it's just a lack of respect in the all out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's really. Um it's amazing because they were already giving scabs more than they were giving y'all uh, when they came in. That's generally kind of how it goes with scabs. Scabs make a little bit of a premium um, for crossing the picket line for, um, you know, b- uh, being a class trader. And um, and so the boss gives them a little bit of a premium for that. But then to give them a dollar an hour race on top of that while they are, uh, you know, while y'all are out on the picket line, while y'all have worked and sacrificed for five years uh, and them not giving, uh, you know, not giving y'all even some of what y'all gave up. It's that's I mean, it's got to be just like a slap in the face. Yeah, it was exactly like a slap in the face. And they, they published on Facebook on one of the local pages from a bosses meeting so one of the bosses has actually recorded one of the main people from the company coming in telling them that they would give them an extra dollar raise they would give them paid lunches Hmm. so of course that was put out there to try to tempt people to cross the line but what people need to remember is that's less than the offer we voted down right yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, so, you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry, we're already coming up on a break, but we're going to bring you back on the other side of this break to hear some more. Um, so thanks, y'all, for sticking with us through our technical difficulties, and thanks for the patience from the audience. We're going to be right back with some more from Hayden and Braxton Wright from the picket line down in Brookwood, Alabama. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. 
The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, healthcare, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host Adam Keller. We are talking to Braxton Wright, a rank-and-file coal miner, and Hayden Wright, president of one of the newly formed women's auxiliaries, uh, talking about the coal miner strike down in Brookwood, Alabama. Uh, so, you know, we were talking about how the the um, you know the scabs are getting raises while y'all are on the picket line, but even the raise that they are getting as they're crossing the picket line, that is less than the offer that you voted down. Um, and so, you know, there there is, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of slaps in the face, figuratively, but there is literal violence, <laughs> company-inspired violence on the picket line. Uh, there's been at least four documented cases of vehicular assault by scabs and bosses on striking miners uh, while they're on the picket line. And uh, the latest one was uh, somebody hit one of the wives on the picket line. Can you talk to us about like how that is affecting people on the picket line? Well, yes, actually, um, Amy is one of our auxiliary members. Her husband, Greg, was actually the one struck by the fire barrel when we had a truck come through a picket line and attempt to hit two of the guys. Mm. And she was not even in the middle of the road. He had to basically swerve to hit her. She was actually on the side of the road. She was following all directions given to her by the police that were there. And Cecil Roberts was actually standing right next to her. Mm. And if she'd have been a few feet over, she would have been seriously, seriously injured. So I really think that the people on the lines are like, hey, why are y'all doing this? Why would you signal out and do that? Why couldn't you just wait a minute? Why couldn't you go around? There's no reason right. to have to plow someone down, especially when you had ample room in the road not to have done that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the picket line is a place where when I've been down there, I mean, they're like, they're, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously the, uh, you know, the circumstances are not great, but in, in some senses, it, it can kind of be like a, like a party, like a get together. You know, you've got your family there. I've seen kids on the picket line. You know, this is supposed to be, it's certainly supposed to be like a place that is safe, at least, regardless of whether or not it's a family affair. Um, but, but down there, it has been to a certain extent a family affair. I've seen, you know, I've seen wives and children and, and community members out there on the picket lines with y'all. And the, you know, the threat to your safety is a very serious concern. Concern, obviously, in addition to all of the, the, the workplace concerns that, that y'all initially went out on the picket line for. Uh, can I just jump in real quick and ask uh, Braxton Hayden, what has been the response of local law enforcement to these vehicular assaults? Uh, they seem to be more worried about uh, like the day that Ke uh, Amy was hit 
David said, well, there's a guy down the road with two flat tires. And they were more worried about the guy with a flat tire than they were the guy running over. You know, like a comparison, a tire is more valuable than a life. Wow. You know, it was just a... <laughs> Just a, yeah, just a straight slap in the face, even by the local police. Yeah, and, uh, which a lot of our guys are getting, you know, flat tires and stuff. Uh, I don't think we would throw nails in our own parking lots, you know. Which, right. And then we've had instances where uh, we found nails and staples in our union hall parking lots. Mm-hmm. And uh, they want to blame everything on us, but it's it it's us is getting the flats. Right. You know it's. It's just, it's a, it's a different, it's just, it's different out there right now. It seems seems like a very one-sided perspective on in yeah. terms of violence and sabotage. They're kind of looking at y'all as the bad guys and kind of looking for y'all to make mistakes or do something wrong and, and looking the other way from the other side of the line. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, they've added more cameras to the, some of the picket lines. They've added a camera to number five picket line, which we recently we didn't have any cameras there until last week. Uh, they just they're trying their best to to blame us for being violent or catching mm-hmm. us tearing up something, and which you know we've been peaceful for the most part this whole time. Right. Right. Yeah. And and the uh, I, I mean it really is. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's sad, and, and that's one of the things that, that somebody told me, and I can't remember who it was, but one of the coal miners said that that the attitude, even though, and it's strange because, uh, like I mentioned, the executives and the board of directors, they all kept their job, even though ostensibly yeah. they ran the company into the ground, but they all kept their job, but he said that after the buyout, the attitude of the the supervisors and the bosses and management just totally changed and that you know even even before the strike that there was like that their attitude when they were down there supervising y'all or when you'd come out of the mines it was just of like contempt and disdain whereas before you know there there would be some back and forth as you're going to have with some you know with like a rough and tumble kind of job but it was ultimately there was there was a sense of like respect and and cooperation before is my understanding and in the last five years it's just been y'all have have been looked down on constantly yeah, that's correct. What has that? What has that been like over? I mean, five years is a long time to put up with stuff like that. Yeah, I know the guys underground have a, a you know it's a lot worse on them. That their bosses really you know treat them completely different. You know, I'm above ground, so you know it's kind of different for us being above ground. Our bosses. Luckily, we we had some pretty good bosses, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't as bad for us. But I know a lot of the guys underground and the time that I spent underground, it was just, you know, it was completely different attitude. The the way they treated their workers, the way they, they, I don't know, just the way that they demanded to do a job or demanded this. uh, They just treated you completely different. Right. Right. And so with all of this from, you know, from the company, I think that I, 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 
you know, I've got to believe that anybody looking at this with kind of a, I mean, like I said, even, you know, we were trying to sort out the technical difficulties, but I'm on the radio here every every Thursday morning with the local conservative host, and he's by no means like a union ally, generally speaking, but he has said, this is a case where it's very clear, Dale Jackson did, it is very clear the union is obviously the good guy and the corporation is obviously the bad guy. It's not often that we, like, agree so much on something like this. And so, you know, what has the the community support? I know, Hayden, you've been uh, with your uh, strike pantry and things like that. You've been getting some support from some of the local grocery stores. Can you talk to us some about the community support that you've seen over the course of the strike? Yes, I would say we've had an outpouring of community support, support in the labor movement really as a whole from across the country has been wonderful. We've been able to put out at least 200 food bags a week. Actually, tomorrow we have our UMWA back-to-school bash for our UMWA children. And we had donations from Grace Klein for candy and things like that. We have a union member, Mr. Um, Antoine McGee, who has bounce houses. He's donating a bounce house for for the kids. (laughs) With the donations that we've taken up from the PayPal, we were able to buy 240 backpacks with school supplies and additional school supplies for the children to make sure that they are academically ready for the school year. And then the salon that actually rents part of the union hall actually volunteered to do $5 haircuts for the kids there in Brookwood. So when they come and get their backpacks and school supplies, they can get a free haircut. And in the community, we have at least of the huge totes, at least two of each size of clothing infant through high school so that the families can come in and shop for some back-to-school clothes that they might need. They can go through, buy what they need, and take it at no cost. So we wanted to do everything possible right now to make sure our kids Mm -hmm. go back to school and they have what they need and that this strike doesn't affect that for them and plus give them a little bit of fun because it's stressful for your family absolutely absolutely uh that's i I love to hear that uh that community support if y'all got time we'll bring you back for one more segment because i want to hear about what you have planned going forward so make sure everybody stay tuned we're talking to braxton and hayden you're listening to the valley labor report Hey, you listen to conservative talk radio all week. Why don't you try something different for a change? The Majority Report with Sam Cedar is a five-time award-winning daily left-wing political talk show. We go live every weekday at 11 a.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel. You can find it by searching for The Majority Report. We talk about the news. We take libertarian callers. We have debates. We interview guests on topics ranging from the post-Civil War Reconstruction era, child poverty, capitalism, the intellectual dark web, and more. And that's all just within the last month. If you want to hear what smart, progressive political talk that is occasionally amusing sounds like, then you need to tune in. And you're always welcome to call in if you want to hear the correct opinion on any given topic. I will give it to you. Tune in to the Majority Report at 11 a.m. Central Time on YouTube or later wherever you get your podcasts.
Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host Adam Keller. We are joined by rank-and-file coal miner Braxton Wright, his wife, Hayden Wright, president of a women's auxiliary, talking about the strike. So, uh, we just heard about how y'all have had uh, an outpouring of community support. and um, We love to hear that. Love it's, to it's hear that. great when we can actually report a little bit of good news. So, in, in spite of the epic struggle you guys are facing uh love to hear the community support and real solidarity in action absolutely we we love to hear that and so let's kind of face forward for a second because uh, or for these next few minutes because you know y'all have been on strike for a hundred days y'all have talked about kind of the emotional toll that it has taken on everybody it's really tough um and so we want to we want to learn more about your plan to win and to stay out on the picket line as 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 long as you need to. So let's look at next week. Next week on July 28th, y'all are planning your second action at New York City. Can you detail um, exactly what that is going to look like for us? Yes, we're actually taking numerous members to New York on the 28th. We will be protesting and handing out pamphlets and information outside of BlackRock, which is our largest investor for Warrior Mets. Actually, the three largest investors are all housed in New York. So we actually have several other unions from New York. Several other local UMWA unions will be joining us there as well to really make a statement. What we hope it does is kind of bring our fight to their front door because here in Alabama, those stockholders, those big corporate owners and donors, they don't come to Alabama. So we need to bring that there to them, that they say that, hey, this is affecting our lives, our families, and our livelihoods. Right. Because when we're on strike, really the whole community is on strike, Mm -hmm. not just our families, because we don't have the income to go and spend at the restaurants, at the gas stations, at these other businesses that also depend on these jobs. Yeah, that's something that we have talked about a lot whenever we talk to y'all or whenever we talk about the strike is that every dollar that is not going to y'all is or every dollar that goes to New York is not going to y'all. And when it doesn't go to y'all, it doesn't go into the local community. That's 1,100 jobs in Brookwood, Alabama. Brookwood is not a large city. 1,100 jobs with good pay, with good benefits, that does a lot for the economic stimulation of that town. And um, when when you're not getting it, it, it definitely hurts. And so that's uh, I, I'm wishing y'all luck in your trip to New York. Hopefully you get to see a couple of sites while you're up there i don't know how, how quick it's gonna be but um i hope that it you know i i hope that uh you see some folks and and some of them as they're going into work that day i hope they lose some sleep over it i hope that they uh uh you know they tell the board of directors at warrior met that that we don't want to be a part of something that is doing doing these kind of things to work in folks in Alabama. Um, the next week, you're having a rally at the Brookwood Ballpark. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, on August 4th, that's going to be an early rally. Normally, our rallies at 10, he'll start at 6. This one is actually in the day, so it starts at 10, from 10 to 1. And that's on Wednesday. Yes, so it's on a Wednesday, 10 to 1. At Brookwood Ballpark, and we're expecting about 4,000 people. Different unions are coming down from across the country. Several other labor leaders are going to be there. They're going to be present and speaking. The auxiliary will be present. A lot of our miners, families. And, guys, please feel comfortable when we're at a rally. We bring our kids. 
Mm-hmm. Like I know Jacob and the guys can attest to that too. Like even when we're working at the auxiliary, we serve food normally every week at the Tanny Hill rallies. All of our kids are there. They play together. It's a family-friendly environment at our rallies. So please don't feel like you can't come. Oh, I have my kids. Right. Bring them. Our kids would love to play with them. I mean, we want to welcome everyone in the community to come out here while we're on strike, talk to some of us, and actually see what's happening in Brookwood. Right. Right. And I think that's a great uh, opportunity as a parent or a grandparent, aunt, uncle, to to help have that conversation with your children. Um, you know, I know I was able to bring my daughter to the Amazon Union rally that we held locally, mm-hmm. and it was you know it was a way to have a conversation with her, even at five years old, about what do workers do when they have problems right you know they join together and and we support them as their community members so i think that's i'm glad you mentioned that yes and i think that's the key thing and that's what i've said several times on social media that you might be getting a dollar an hour raise but our kids are getting so much more they're actually seeing what it means that an injury to one is an injury to all they're seeing what solidarity is they're learning to fight for themselves because, right. guys, if we don't fight now, we're disrespecting the hundreds of years of history of people who have fought for these safety measures. They fought for your 40-hour work week. They fought for overtime. If we stop that fight now, we're disrespecting everything that our grandparents, our parents fought to do. Mm-hmm. So our kids need to be given that education as well that, hey, if you see something happening and it's not right, you need to stand up and fight for yourself and fight for others that might not be able to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That that's it, it's so important n- not to believe that. Um, you know that all of these things w- were just given to people by the you know by the graces of the boss the wind if you hit the window key twice um, the the thing that um, b- because that's what a lot of people believe you know a lot of we, yeah. we have had mm-hmm. we've had kind of a lot of the things that we have currently for so long um, that that people just think that that's the natural order of things and that's that's the way that it's going that, that's the way that it's always been and that's the way that it's going to be and there's nothing you can do to change it to make it better and it's not going to get worse and that's wrong and 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 y'all's situation is an example of it getting worse i mean working 7 days a week uh in the 21st century <laughs> coal mines uh making you know barely over $20 an hour i mean that like the situation has gotten worse and so y'all are going to have to fight to make it better and everybody is going to have to fight to make it better right because people need to realize and like you've talked about several times we're not even asking for anything really additional we're just wanting to get back to what we had five years ago right like we're fighting to get back what was lost if we don't fight now what's that going to mean in 10 years from now right so y'all are doing everything that you can to win despite the emotional toll that it's taking on y'all after a hundred days on strike y'all are not prepared to go back unless you get uh, what you believe that you're worth and and you you have already started making plans as president of the women's auxiliary for a toy drive in Christmas can you talk to us about that and about what that means for the resiliency of the folks on the picket line and their families Yes, we've actually started planning ahead to Christmas because 
I know people might say, oh, my goodness, they still have months away. But not when you think about the time it takes for a contract. Mm -hmm. Even if within the next three or four weeks we were presented a contract that was voted in, by the time you get back to work, get a paycheck, catch up on bills, we'll have families that will be struggling well past Christmas. So what we want to do is make sure that our UMWA kids, our families, they don't feel like they're not going to have a Christmas, that they're going to have to change and tell their kids, like, hey, we can't do this this year. We want them to at least be able to feel comfortable that I can come, I can. they will have something there. Right. And I think that's what people miss in a union that aren't in a union, is that we see each other, those are our brothers and sisters. That's our responsibility to make sure that all of our kids and all of our families are taken care of. Right. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that as well, because there are a lot of our listeners right now who who don't belong to a union. Maybe they've never belonged to a union. And, you know, as sympathetic as they may be to your struggle, you know, that that can be hard for them to process what that looks like. And I think what you've described is a form of a family. And y'all have an an extended family, and you have 1,100 brothers and sisters along with their spouses and family in the broader community. And that's what – that is our biggest weapon to fight back because we don't have the billions in the bank account. Uh, We don't have the politicians in our pocket. All we have is each other. And so I think what y'all have done to stay out this long, to stay dedicated to the righteousness of your cause and to have each other's back is is really an inspiration for all working people, not just here in Alabama, but uh, across the country and across the world. All of us who have to sell our labor we are in the same boat in some form or right. fashion we're in the same boat and so i really you know can't applaud y'all enough for staying strong and and fighting the good fight yeah we appreciate that thank you so much absolutely <clears throat> we've only got a couple minutes left in this segment uh hayden braxton is there anything else that y'all wanted to say now i just want everybody to know that we're still going to be here we're going to be standing one day longer this fight is not over because it might seem like our fight, but your union is much more than negotiations, guys. Mm-hmm. Your union is your family. That's your support system. That's the strength that you have. That's just as powerful as any of your negotiating team because it takes everyone together to actually stand and make these changes. Right. That, and, and that's an important point, too, because even if you've got the best people, on, the best people that you could on the negotiating team, if the membership doesn't support them, you know, if the if the negotiating team had brought back that contract and and, you know, uh, not a good contract, but the membership voted it in. I mean, there's not any you know, you've got to you've got to have a, a membership that is willing to fight, that knows their worth, that cares about each other and that wants to fight for one another. You can't just rely on the people at the top to do it for you. You've got to have some amount of you got to have some amount of fight yourself that's a good point hayden thank y'all so much for your time we really appreciate it uh brother braxton hope you get some rest hayden best of luck with the rest of your day y'all have a good one thanks for talking to us thank you thank you thank y'all for having us all right folks this is the valley labor report we're going to be right back talking about last week in southern labor stay tuned You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison.
The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE Local 1858, believes all workers are entitled to fairness, dignity, and respect. AFGE also knows that the best way to guarantee proper treatment is for workers to stand together, united, looking out for each other. In AFGE, we fight for workers every day to ensure a workplace that is safe and free from harassment. If you're a federal employee and want to be a part of this union to protect yourself and your fellow workers, call 256 8764880 The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com/thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com/thevalleylaborreport to support our work and keep us on the air. Uh, or a uh, coal mining family down in Brookwood, Alabama, talking about the strike. Um, we appreciate their time. Like I said, Braxton just got off of a night shift uh, on the picket lines, so he hasn't been to bed yet. And Braxton, uh, and and I'm sorry, Braxton was on the picket line, hadn't been asleep yet. And Hayden is going to be uh, going to be doing stuff with the sp- with the strike pantry this afternoon. And speaking of the strike pantry, they are still accepting donations. If you follow Hayden on Twitter, uh, that's at Hayden Wright, H A E D E N. W-R-I-G-H-T you can see I think it's her pinned tweet or something if it's not her pinned tweet you can go and find it right and and it's our pinned tweet as well at Labor Reporters you can donate to their strike pantry which goes to helping like that goes directly to food and like family items that that people need to get you know just kind of normal everyday grocery stuff right and then also there's a strike aid fund that the international has set up that and and that fund goes to supplement their weekly strike benefit checks okay so they get they get $350 a week and so the strike aid fund is distributed evenly among everybody to supplement that so that maybe they get an extra 50 or $100 a week added to that from the strike aid fund that the international has set up. So those are both places that you can donate to, that your local could donate to, that your international could donate to, your labor council, your state your state fed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So consider that. Follow Hayden Wright on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. All that stuff. So uh, let's get to what happened last week. <laughs> We've got to unite as workers and demand the respect we deserve from the boss. You and I should go on strike. We are workers united. Movement in the southeastern United States, brought to you by Jonah Furman. 
subscribe to his newsletter on Substack to get what happened in the rest of U.S. labor. That title is Who Gets the Bird.substack.com. Who Gets the Bird.substack.com. So let's go ahead and get right to new organizing. 400 workers for Keurig Dr. Pepper in Windsor, Virginia are organizing with RWDSU in what would be the biggest blue-collar win of 2021 if they can pull it off. 62 nursing home workers at the Mark Twain Caring Center in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, are organizing with UFCW Local 655. There were a few NLRB wins. One of two building engineers contracted to work at the FedEx facility in D.C. voted to join operating engineers Local 99. The other didn't vote, so they are union. Nearly 400 telecom production workers at Prismian in Scottsville, Texas, voted to stick with the UAW Local 3057 by uh, 198 to 66 margin, uh, which that is made much more impressive by the fact that the workers, uh, that, that the, the uh, employer hired, um, oh, no, Sorry, that was made much more impressive by the fact that workers hired to replace the strikers this spring were allowed to vote. So you had scabs that were voting on that, and they still voted to stick with the union. So that's really impressive. The staff of the nonprofit Institute for Local Self Reliance across the country had their union recognized with OPEIU Local 12. There were a few losses and decertifications um, in more bad news for refinery workers, 165 workers at the company's Baton Rouge uh, polyolefins. It's a common type of plastic. I don't know what it is. That's what Jonah said. It's a common type of plastic. They just lost their union after a 51 to 96 vote to decertify operating engineers local 407. URSO is raiding a unit of 25 security guards currently uh, represented by the LEOSU DC at KR Contracting in Sterling, Virginia. There are lots of spats between uh, security guard unions, as you will be able to tell over the over the coming weeks as we do more of these segments. I think, and and the next one is that the SPFPA is raiding a unit of fourteen FAA security guards in College Park, Georgia, currently with the. Protection and Response Officers of America. Also, lots of acronyms. Lots of <laughs> acronyms. Lots of acronyms. And I have I meant this week to go and find what they stood for, but then I didn't. So, I don't know. You'll have to figure it out yourself, I guess. Uh, <laughs> there's a few That's why you subscribe to Jonah's newsletter, That's right. so that you have more information. That's right. That's right. Subscribe to Jonah's new- newsletter, whogetsthebird.substack.com. There are several, several... Uh, strikes and uh, uh, several news items about strikes and bargaining happening across the southeast um we mentioned at the top of the show that media matters took a look at mainstream coverage of the warrior met coal umwa strike in brookwood alabama and found that cnn msnbc and fox news have collectively given zero minutes Zero minutes of coverage to the largest coal strike in decades. Zero minutes. While Fox News gave an hour and 18 minutes over 
five days to one school district changing the word holidays to days off on their academic calendar. Just absurd. Just foolishness. Foolishness. There are around 20 barbers for contractor Sheffield at Fort Lee, Virginia. They remain on strike with laborers local 572 after the boss raised haircut prices and lowered barbers' commissions. Uh, Fight for 15 held a one-day action among fast food workers in multiple cities across the South with actions in St. Louis, uh, Flint, Charleston, South Carolina, Marion, North Carolina, and elsewhere. The two-week metal trades workers strike at Arnold Air Force Base in Tullahoma, Tennessee ended with a three-year contract. Workers at Coca-Cola in Bluefield, West Virginia, with Teamsters Local 175, have rejected a final contract offer and authorized a strike. Their current contracts, their current contract expires on July the 28th. And uh, teachers in Orange County, Florida, are at an impasse in salary negotiations with the school district. We've got some internal union politics. The AFT Mississippi is apparently... They're apparently suing the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers, and the Jackson, Mississippi Federation of Teachers for allegedly covering up embezzlement and failing to pay dues to the state organization. So... That's no good. Uh, Politics and legislation, we are still on the PRO Act watch. We are still in reconciliation limbo with no details forthcoming about whether and what provisions of the PRO Act might be passed in the coming days or weeks. But one encouraging development was that uh, Democratic holdout Senator Mark Kelly, he was saying he would support at least some provisions of the PRO Act in reconciliation. And uh, it might, might also be worth mentioning that there was a brief rideshare driver strike in California, and they actually went on strike uh, on behalf of the PRO Act. Oh, so, you know, there are there's a different... You know, different types of strategies that are being employed right now to try to get the word out about the PRO Act and put pressure on Congress because it looks like this reconciliation bill will pretty much be the only thing that Congress achieves for the next year or two. Yeah. And so if we don't get it slipped in there, we, we may not have another chance for, for a while, if, if ever. Uh, so kudos to those rideshare drivers. Anything you can do to put pressure on your senators, of course, those of us in Alabama, we don't have much to count on yeah. with uh, Tommy Tuberville and Richard Shelby, not exactly champions of the working class, uh, but make sure they have at least heard from you. Right. Finally, the battle between the Houston, Texas mayor and the firefighters local 341 continues, and the firefighters continue to rack up wins, this time with the reinstatement of their local president in his city job after an arbiter ruled that he was unjustly fired in January. Uh, So that wraps up uh, last week in Southern Labor. Make sure if you want to find out what happened in the rest of U.S. Labor, you subscribe to Jonah Furman's newsletter, whogetsthebird.substack.com. So we have like two minutes left, and that's a perfect amount of time to play the AFSME ad. Let's play that because this is, it's just. It's so great. I love it. I love it so much. On your way to work tomorrow, instead of sitting around with your finger up your ass, look around. There's a union out there called AFSCME, and they're busting their balls for you doing a lot of shit work you take for granted. For example, we pick up your garbage. We got broads out there who keep your kids from getting run over by some hard on. We plug up the holes in the road so you don't up your car. 
ladies from Florida. We're out there zapping rats and roaches and making sure your kids don't drink from no water fountains. We're amalgamated federalization. Hey, I don't know what the means. All I know is we're hardworking, taxpaying people like you, and we don't take from nobody. You got that? that's awesome that's awesome we have uh we've got to bring that back we need i think we need union advertisements with that guy like that guy only we just need to get him to record advertisements for all of our local unions what do you think about that yeah, you gotta love it. I mean, just keeping it real with folks. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> hey, I would rather see unions drop money on that than uh, writing more checks to useless Democrats. That's so, uh, right. Hey, talk to your international president. That's right. That is absolutely right. And I'm very seriously considering with the Labor Council trying to figure out maybe something that we can run on the local news stations along the lines of that. Because that was that was just awesome. That was awesome. Folks, we're going to be right back. This is the Valley Labor Report. Make sure you stay tuned. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison. All workers deserve fair wages, affordable health care, and a retirement plan that enables them to retire with dignity. All workers deserve to have a say about the terms and conditions of their employment, not just the bosses. With the Machinist Union's over 600,000 members having our back, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama has been serving workers' interests for over 20 years. Our members have the best health insurance in the area with zero deductible plans. We set the bar for pay in the area with over $40 an hour rates, consistently averaging the highest non-college degree jobs in North Alabama with some of the best retirement plans in the industry. We can do the same for you. Together, we remain united, raising our voices to ensure justice on the job and service in the community. The Machinist Union is a true Southern Union founded in Atlanta in 1888. We have been serving members' needs for 132 years. The longevity of our union proves our dedication and loyalty to the working class. The Machinist Union isn't just for machinists. We represent workers in government, health care, auto workers, aerospace workers, transportation workers, the defense industry, and woodworking. Our members even build the iconic Harley-Davidson motorcycles. If you're ready to get serious about better benefits and wages, if you want to have a voice in your workplace with over 600,000 members to back you up, call or email us today at 256-286-3704 or organize at iamaw44.org. Let's go to some local news. Um, Adam, what has uh, what what's been going on in Huntsville and Alabama? Well, there's a lot that's happened just in the last week or so since we were last talking about Huntsville. Uh, first, right off the bat, on Monday evening, the Huntsville City Schools is having a special called board meeting to discuss COVID protocols. Uh, you may know, those of you who are local, that none of our school districts are enforcing masks for students uh, in the area. But, you know, those decisions were made prior to some new guidance that's come out by the Association of Pediat- Pediatricians, uh, as well as this, you know, 
new wave that we're in right now, especially with the Delta variant. So uh, those of you who have children in Huntsville City Schools or those of you just concerned about this new wave and its spread in the community, keep your eyes on that Monday night uh, board meeting with Huntsville City Schools. Now, there was a lot to happen with the Huntsville City Council this past week. Hmm. Uh, you know, and before I dive into that, I do want to mention that we have discussed the case of uh, William Darby, the Huntsville police officer who was convicted of murdering an unarmed, well, you know, an unarmed civilian. And he uh, did finally resign, I believe, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, it took all this time. Uh, it took the Huntsville police chief allegedly soliciting sick leave donations for his boy Darby. Uh, I guess he ran out of donated sick leave. He's finally used up all of his vacation days and he did resign. Uh, it's just sort of sad that, you know, he makes the choice to resign before the, the mayor and the police chief actually uh, took some action against a convicted murderer on their police force. So, uh, and on top of that, Paul Gaddis of AL.com put out a good article about the influx of federal COVID funds for the city of Huntsville. We've mentioned that before. Uh, you know, while the stimulus bills and COVID relief bills are, of course, inadequate, there has been quite a bit of new money available for local governments and local school systems. Well, the city of Huntsville has apparently spent virtually nothing so far uh, and is being, quote, very, very conservative with this funding. So uh, check that out. Paul did a good job just diving into, you know, the city's mindset on why they're not really spending that money yet. Uh, And I think, you know, those are some opportunities for the city government to actually help regular, normal people. Imagine that. So back to the city council. Uh, This Thursday on the 22nd, You had more protests at the city council, at city hall. Uh, And in fact, one man was removed and booked for disorderly conduct. Uh, There were protests both inside the chambers and outside. And this is the ongoing saga of our fight for criminal justice reform here in Huntsville, Alabama. The so-called star of Alabama, the so-called smart city, so-called progressive city of Alabama, which has thus far shown very little intention in actually having a just criminal justice system. Now, there were two uh, modest reforms, and and I say reform kind of loosely here, uh, that were passed on Thursday night. The first one involves the Huntsville Police Citizens Advisory Council, the CAC. That's been an ongoing fight to actually have some teeth behind that council, to have some democratic accountability with this council. Uh, you may you may remember from previous segments that the police chief actually had appointment abilities to this council. So, you know, talking about the fox guard in the hidden house, that was exactly the plan. That has been changed. The, the Huntsville police chief no longer has the ability to appoint members to the advisory council. That's good. Uh, there's going to be some additional members added, some additional training provided to the council. The jury's still out on, you know, how that's going to actually change things moving forward but it at least appeared to be a modest step in the right direction. Now, the other issue that was discussed was body cam footage. And again, this one is even, uh, I guess, more modest. In other words, it accomplished very little. Uh, There was a promise for transparency about releasing body cam footage, but no real concrete steps they were going to take. 
as far as I could tell, it looked like the city was just promising that they will, in fact, have some kind of policy that they will openly share. Uh, what that's going to look like, you know, remains to be seen. So, I uh, really want to shout out the the good activists who are fighting that fight and staying engaged uh, for well over a year now on this particular avenue of reform. But it's you know been many many, many years in the making. Uh, so shout out to them. The next work session of the Huntsville City Council is August 5th. So if you get a chance, tune into the meeting that took place Thursday. You can watch those meetings online. Uh, you can catch up afterwards. So that's a convenient way to stay informed. Uh, the North Alabama School for Organizers is holding an automotive free clinic at Futures Homeless Shelter in Huntsville on Saturday, August 21st from 9 to 12. Uh, volunteers are, of course, requested uh, as are donations. NASO will not charge the poor or homeless as they offer light repairs to vehicles, including oil changes and teaching folks how to change a flat tire. Uh, I think that's a great mutual aid program that they are implementing uh, and of course we've had zach henson on to discuss automotive free clinic down in uh, the montgomery Prattville area so shout out to north alabama school of organizers for putting this on to benefit uh, poor and homeless working folks who need reliable transportation uh, and that's something that i think is a good lesson for all of us whatever skills you may have there is a way for you to contribute that to the people mm-hmm uh, today, on the 24th of July at 3 o'clock at the Madison County Courthouse, there is a Medicare for All March. Now, uh, Jacob and I talked uh, offline a little bit about this, that nationally, some of the folks involved with this Medicare <laughs> for All March today, um, you know, Seems leave something odd. to be inspired. There, there are a few online weirdos, it appears, to be involved in some of these uh, marches across the country. But I do know that locally, our sister Catherine Herford is is behind this march here in Huntsville, and I have the utmost respect for her. So uh, if you have nothing else going on this afternoon, come downtown to Huntsville, to the courthouse, and march on behalf of Medicare for All, because it is insane that we are the only wealthy country on earth that does not guarantee health care as a human right. So shout out to these local activists for demonstrating to that point. Now, moving, uh, moving back a little bit to the statewide perspective, Alabama Poor People's Campaign is joining at least 40 other states for a moral Monday to take the fight for democracy to U.S. Senators' home offices. So on Monday, uh, August 26th, they will be visiting Senator Shelby and Senator Tuberville's offices in Montgomery. And then the Poor People's Campaign will air a collection of these actions from across the country online that evening at seven o'clock central time uh we uh i'm a big fan of reverend barber and what he has worked on with the moral mondays coming out of north carolina as well as the poor people's campaign so happy to see uh, alabama holding it down with the campaign uh also august 24th the libertarian party of alabama and <laughs> vermin supreme among other guests will be in montgomery and you know, I, I have a lot of uh, problems with the Libertarian Party and their ideology. They tend not to be the most pro-union, pro-working class kind of folks. Uh, but on this issue, I, I really appreciate what they're doing. They have taken the Alabama Secretary of State to court. And what they are fighting for is truly ballot access. 
is a fair shot for third party and independent candidates here in the state of Alabama. Uh, specifically, they are vo- uh, fighting to get access to the voter registration list that is provided by our Secretary of State. Uh, you know, our system here in Alabama, especially, but, you know, in most of the country as well, is really designed to be a two party system. It is ex- yeah. designed to exclude independent and third party candidates. So, kudos to them for fighting that good fight. Uh, and lastly, I think it may be worth mentioning that. Our governor, Kay Ivey, is getting a lot of national press these days. Uh, She made some comments expressing frustration about the unvaccinated here in Alabama and blaming them for this current spike in cases. Uh, Now, her role in that, uh, she doesn't seem to have a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, She kind of just threw her hands up and made it out like she's just an ordinary citizen who's just as frustrated as we are. Uh, The difference being she is in charge of Alabama state government. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I understand the frustration, but again, you are governor. You have an entire executive branch. You have a budget. You have a bully pulpit. Uh, You have an entire team of experts. So, you know, I just, I thought that was a little bit interesting that for one thing, she kind of revealed the frustration and probably pissed off some of her uh, Republican allies but at the same time, revealed just how, you know, little initiative she's showing to address the problem. Right. Uh, and as others have covered in, in response to this story, you know, she has catered to the anti-vaccination crowd uh, and to the anti-lockdown crowd with legislation. And, and of course, you know, she, her political career, like all others in this state, has benefited from the massive right-wing media apparatus uh, which peddles disinformation and propaganda uh, on stations such as this one, uh, to be quite honest. So, you know, it's, it's fascinating for her to put that out there and to act as if she's just an ordinary Alabamian who can't really do anything about it. Um, you know, as I just mentioned at the top of the segment, you know, we've got school systems having to decide about mask usage in mm-hmm. their buildings. You know, the governor is nowhere to be found and showing leadership there. And oh, by the way, what if we had an extra 300,000 people with health insurance because we expand Medicaid? Right. The governor, again, has no answers to expand Medicaid. She has been saying for years, just like Governor Bentley before her, uh, that they just have to find the money. Right. They can find the money for virtually anything else that they want to find it for. But when it comes to expanding health care and ensuring 300,000 of our neighbors who are working people can actually go to the doctor. Now, suddenly that's that's a, you know, a a mystery they just can't solve. And now I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. But I have to believe that if an additional 300,000 people could go to the doctor and could treat pre-existing conditions, maybe, just maybe, they would be a little less susceptible to COVID and to complications from COVID. But that's just me. Right. Well, and there's, you know, like you said, it's one thing to express as like as a citizen of this state to express frustration with other citizens of the state like i even generally speaking i try to shy away from that from like pointing my pointing my ire at like conservative or liberal voters or or whatever for this or that i try to try to think about okay what are the systems that that produce this outcome but certainly as a leader of a state 
as a leader of a party that is pushing lots of like nonsense. I mean, the Alabama uh, Republic. Uh, the Alabama Federation of Republican Women just hosted Marjorie Taylor Greene in Dothan uh, yesterday or the day before that. She is one of the worst about the uh, the vaccination nonsense, saying that 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 uh, asking about her vaccination status is a violation of her HIPAA rights. I mean, it's just absurd, you know. And so you've got lots of and it, it, acting as if she has no idea where. This vaccine hesitancy is coming from, broadly speaking, it's coming from people with power, not either either um, like not talking about vaccines in a truthful way, just not addressing the issue and having a hands off approach or really diving in uh, and saying that, you know, and and stoking some of these fears about the vaccine because they are by and large, totally, totally false. And, you know, like we only have an hour and a half every week. So we don't talk about this, that kind of stuff, because we are like a a, a generally focused show on uh, workers issues. And so like we're not we, we don't have the time to spend going into the data, but the data is out there. There are experts and like you can actually see the vaccines work. They help keep you from getting the coronavirus. And they even more than that, they help keep you from getting a serious illness from the coronavirus they protect yourself and your, your communities and your families and and like that's important and for her to just say we need to blame the unvaccinated people that's absurd and then additionally to that there there are people that are not vaccine hesitant there are people that don't have the the time to go and get vaccinated because we just got off the phone with Hayden and Braxton talking about how these coal miners in Alabama they were before this contract expired working seven days a week when are you going to go get a vaccine if you have to work seven days a week and then when you're off work you have to go and take your children to uh to school or you've got to take them to the hospital or do you know there are lots of people that just don't have the time to do that and so there are ways that she could as governor use the uh the health department to make sure that people get paid time off to go and get the vaccine paid time off to go to have a day to recover from getting the vaccine because sometimes you'll have cold-like symptoms after you get the vaccine i mean just right what her- if we actually had paid sick leave yeah. In this state, like every other civilized place on earth. Her acting like she's just this powerless, regular citizen of Alabama is just, frankly, frankly disgusting. And it's an admission. It yeah. is a very uh, blunt admission of her lack of ability. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison. Here in Huntsville, federal employees are an invaluable part of the nation's defense, offering unmatched expertise in engineering and technology and as stewards of taxpayer dollars. What we ask for in return is to be treated with fairness, dignity, and respect. The American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE, Local 1858, is a union of working people looking out for each other, making sure that we're treated right. To inquire about joining or to learn more, call 256-876-4880. Exactly, because uh, Bezos 
was probably for one of the first times in his public speaking life, he was correct about something. So let's let's hear Bezos spitting facts. I also I want to thank. Uh, Every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer, because you guys paid for all of this. So, seriously, for every Amazon customer out there and every Amazon employee, thank you from the bottom of my heart very much. Uh, it's very appreciated. So sweet. This is, and, and, and did you hear the audience there? They, like, laughed at him because they didn't think that he was being serious because these people have all been kind of like brainwashed by the 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 neoliberal kind of propaganda about um about how oh he's a job creator oh he's he's so like he's a genius and it's only because of him that Amazon is so successful it it, it has absolutely nothing to do with the people that actually do the work it's just because he happens to own it and so that makes him a genius but he like he i mean like just the laughter from the audience after he said that was mind-boggling to me and 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 he was like no no i'm serious guys like i didn't do anything you know it was all the workers i i just i just was able to spend 10 minutes in space on top of the bodies of amazon workers that have died over the pandemic and like i just want to thank them from the bottom of my heart i mean if if i cared even just a little bit i might put flowers on their graves but this is really all i'm gonna do so like please accept this gesture and don't like unionize or anything i mean it's 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 really it's i mean wow that was that just made my blood boil yeah he's not going to stop union busting uh he's not not going to not going to raise their wages yeah not going to stop expanding this monopoly which is not not just victimizing its own workers who you know transport these products make these products but it's also putting a lot of small businesses out of business yeah uh and so while you know not going to give them a pension Right. You know, so, you know, this is a working class show and what we're advocating for fellow workers. But, you know, even even local businesses have been really harmed by this monopoly that Amazon is growing and growing, which, you know, really we're in this gilded age deja vu right now. If you look at the disparity of wealth, if you look at the growing monopoly power of a handful of oligarchs, this is the gilded age all over again. Uh, and, you know, the only way we're going to beat that back is the way we beat it back the last time, which is through an organized, yeah. multiracial working class movement that can tip the balance of power back on our scales. Right. And it's not going to come from worshiping these oligarchs like the royal families of old, uh, which is, you know, kind of the, the mainstream media mentality is to look at, you know, a Bill Gates and a Jeff Bezos as if they are some sort of... Uh, you know, chosen by God, put here, like the mm-hmm. Tsar of Russia or something. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the mythology around them, like what he said, it's it's like, it is, it, it's not just ideologically for me, like, it is like factually correct that, you know, I mean, 99%, it's just mathematically impossible for anything other than this to be true, that 99% or more of the labor that goes into Amazon was done by the workers and not him, and yet he's getting 
thousands of times more compensation than the Amazon workers. He is uh, not allowing them to take uh, good breaks. He's making them work long hours on crazy schedules. I mean, it's just and and, and uh, you know, I mean, there's just so much mythology around Amazon. Another one is that about him starting it from his garage as if he's like a college dropout. Do you know where he came from before he started at Amazon? He was like a New York hedge fund guy. Do you know how he got the capital to start Amazon? His uh, parents invested their life savings into it, uh, put hundreds of thousands of dollars, a small loan of hundreds of thousands of dollars into his business. And then only a couple years after that, he got millions of dollars from investors. I mean, it's not just because of his ingenuity. He was able to get, because of his class position, he was able to pull together resources from all these other people in the in a similar class position and pull together people that actually do the work you know if, if you go back earlier in that clip if, if you go back and watch the full video he talks about how engineers toiled day and night for this to happen and like it wasn't him that did that i mean and you know look i'm not discounting the fact that there's some amount of work that a CEO has to do as an administrator, but ostensibly, you know, he could even outsource all of it. He could not do anything, but I, I don't doubt that there's some amount of work that he does. But is it worth thousands of times more than a normal Amazon employee? No, of course not, because you can look and see what would happen if you remove Bezos from the CEO position, uh, see what happens to Amazon, and then conversely, see what happens if you take away all of the workers from Amazon. If you take away Bezos from the CEO position, Amazon does fine. And we know that because that already happened. He's not CEO anymore. He's just on the board of directors. Amazon is doing fine. What would happen if you take away all the workers, all of the all of the, fa- uh, the warehouse workers, the engineers? Amazon would absolutely crumble. We know who needs who. We know actually who creates value. It's the workers. It is not the bosses in their capacity as a boss. It is not in their capacity as an owner that they create value. The only Because if you have a million dollars and you sit it on the floor, it's not going to do jack squat. Okay, Capital does not create value. And if you don't believe me, take all of the money in your bank account, bury it in the backyard, and see what happens. You have to have labor to create anything. Labor can create things without capital. Too, because labor can create capital. Capital can't create labor, okay? So labor creates all wealth. Bezos acknowledged that, so it's time for let's start stop going on with this fiction that that he's the one that that created everything. Well, and I think it's interesting this came out the same week that uh, I believe it was the New York Times published uh, a little bit of inside info where Bezos had described internally that he does not believe in a so-called entrenched blue-collar workforce. He believes that leads to mediocrity. So, in fact, high turnover is <laughs> by design. So when we've discussed, you know, the high turnover rates at Amazon warehouses and other Amazon facilities, that's not, you know, an unfortunate side effect. No, that's part of the plan. Yeah. Uh, And he should have also thanked uh, the U.S. taxpayer and his uh, crony friends in Congress for ensuring that he uh, is paying low taxes, if he pays taxes at all. And, And also... This face it, his scientific program here that helped him get to space was built on the foundation of NASA and the hard work of various uh, NASA employees over the last several decades, uh, all paid for by U.S. taxpayers. Yep. 
So, you know, it's, it's been a collective effort uh, that has brought him to where he's at. And, you know, one final thing about this is that, you know, Jeff Bezos, yes, he's a greedy, uh, well, you know, there's a lot I want to say about him <laughs> that I can't say on FM radio. But even if he was the nicest guy you know, you could imagine, even if he had a change of heart, even if he actually had a heart, unlike the Grinch. Okay, that's not going to change the system right. that put him where he's at and put various other people where they're at in a similar boat. That does not change the oligarchy. You know, the problem with oligarchy is the oligarchy and the system that creates it and protects it uh, and reinforces it. It's not the individual character of the oligarchs. Right. Uh, and that's something that we have to remember. And, and again, uh, like I said, that's why organizing a working class movement that can transcend our racial differences, our gender differences, our religious differences, when we build power ourselves, we can change that. Last thing that we wanted to plug in the in the last minute or two before we go off is uh, we are, like I said at the top of the show, we've only got like 12 hats left. And so then uh, we're looking forward to the future to see what we can, uh, uh, thinking about what we can do for the show to, to raise funds to make sure that we stay on the air. Uh, one of our advertisers is going to be dropping off here at some point over the next couple of months. So we want to make sure that we're able to stay on the air, that we can continue to expand. We have some really cool things in the works. So uh, what would people like to see for merch? Would you know, do you want another round of hats? Do you want a different kind of hat? What would your ideas be? Do you want shirts? Uh, I think a graphic tee might would look nice. Um, but but I don't know, shirts, tote bags, uh, uh, you know, what wh- what kind of stuff would y'all like to see? And then content-wise, what do you like about the show? Uh, what would you like to see changed? What do you not like? What would you like to see added? Reach out to us, let us know. You can reach us on Twitter via DM on Facebook via private message or uh, on our email valleylaborreporters at gmail.com we will uh, uh, and, and we want to look over those and see what we can do uh, to make the show better and to continue funding the show into the future so we'll see you next week